This is exactly right. Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. We are so excited to be recording this episode. Hello. We're back. We are back. We had a bit of a hiatus, more than a month. Yeah. Um... We, we lost, uh, people lost faith in our ability to podcast, which is understandable. Yes. We had, we had personal things, uh, going on. We had the holidays. Uh, we had work on the road. I had work on the road. <clears throat> I had a death in my family. Uh, Karen had a death in her family. And, but, but ultimately, perhaps sadder is we recorded an episode that we then lost. We recorded what I think, and maybe it's... It's like the Twilight Zone. We recorded the best episode ever. The tears were shed. Laughter was had. It was the best of all emotions happening at once. It was a great podcast with Tig Notaro. And we were so (laughs) open and so personal. And so many poignant things were said. I thought during the middle of it, I'm like, this is the episode that will change the world. This is the one. I was like, we're going to get nominated for a Peabody. We are going, this is it. or at least a, a Casty or whatever the, uh, I think they have the Casty. A Poddle? A Poddle. I, oh, if it was the British Poddles, we all <laughs> would love to win a Poddle. But I get home. Who among us? Uh, no one I know. Right? Is that esteemed? I get home, I pull the card out, it's just empty. It's blank. It's, it's blank, that's never happened. Get out there, friend. Come on, friend. You got it. You've got a Mazda that needs to be moving. <laughs> so I was very sad. Um, yeah, I, that was that was insanely disappointing. And then also the irony that people were like, we need an episode. And it's like, we do too. Yeah. <laughs> like we've, it was such a heartbreaker to lose it. When we got our homework done and we didn't get any credit for it, and we got basically it was an A plus piece of homework, and we could tell that Tig was proud of it and excited for it to come out. I haven't broken it to her. I haven't told her. We yeah. might we there. There's a chance we might find it. Andrew Solomson, if you're listening, and I haven't already contacted you, please. I know you you are a wizard when it comes to finding lost files, or I'm hoping you are. We think you might be able to help us, Andrew. I hope you have some device that you have in a handmade leather holster <laughs> that 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 you've had that has saved people's podcasts. Um, Maybe there's a there's a red 
toolkit that you keep down in the bottom drawer of your desk that you only pull out yeah. in very special emergency you situations. Type in a security code. Yeah, and which turn. is just one, two, three, four. You should change that. Yeah, yeah, that's not, really, I mean, that's not, not you yeah. always think no one's going to guess one, two, three, four, but that is the first thing I would guess. Yeah, it's the first thing, I mean, yeah, it's where you start. So I, I hopefully we can retrieve it. And if not, we will just have another episode with Tig because, uh, She's she's magic on the mic, <laughs> and, and uh, but we're just glad to be back. And it, with the sound quality, I assure you, was so good. I, I spent time with the levels, no, and not only was Chris the sound guy, but he was also the driver in that episode. So there was we were capturing a, a magic and an energy yes. that doesn't usually happen. It was a special episode. I thought you were going to say because I was driving, that's why we lost the fight. I thought, I'm so oh. sensitive about this. <laughs> Oops, Chris sorry. was driving, so there's a good chance that's why he wasn't paying attention to the, the right lights. Everything, I looked down at while I was driving, which is dangerous, but it was important, more important than our lives. We were just on Ventura. It wasn't that big of a deal. And... It just was recording. Everything seemed fine. And you've done it before. You're I, good at being the sound man and driver. I, I think I'm okay at it. It's not ideal for you. It's not what I'll be getting a podcasty award for. Your poddle will not come. My poddle, sorry. For, a, for an engineering. I just had to pass aggressively correct you. It <laughs> won't be an engineering poddle. No, but certainly... Um, I we've already established I'm one of the more handsome men in podcasting. That's yes. or that's my little thing. I don't usually. Uh, that's it seems weird coming out, and I'm going to retract it. No, 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 don't retract it. No, I, it's already out there, Chris. Even if you didn't say it, people know it. My age is coming up on me, and my face is swollen. I've been drinking too much. It's the holidays. I just that look all like, looks good on men, though. I it took. We, look, oh, women love a swollen man. I man. guess I I do men. remember one summer at uh, Big Sky. Bible camp, I got stung in the face by bees, and girls were hitting on me left and right. Yep. They're yeah. like, why are your cheeks so full? The You're Lord, so adorable. The Lord told me to talk to you this afternoon. It's, uh, God, what a horrifying camp that was. Did uh, I tell you that they told me my parents were going to hell unless <laughs> I converted them? So when my dad picked me up in the Volkswagen bus, I was crying. And he said, why are you crying? We're driving. And then finally he asked, well, we're out going down this road. Why? Why are you so upset? And I'm like, well, they told me you were going to hell. And my dad turned around and drove back and yelled at the head pastor. Yes. I, from a distance, I saw him screaming at him. Yes. And the guy was just trembling. He knew he he knew he'd fucked up. Wait, now, but who sent you to that Bible camp? Did your parents just think it was like a day camp? My yeah, they sent me to a lot of camps when I was young. Sure. Um, and Get you out of the house. My sister went to it. She was. A little older. She's seven years older. So I think time she spent there was first uh, being interested in boys and being at a camp. She was older, so it was like, oh, my, I made out with a boy or something. I, she had fun. She had regular camp fun. Right. And I guess didn't hear the voices of children drowning when she was trying to sleep. I thought that there was ghosts. <laughs> I thought I was being possessed at a Bible camp. Well, they freaked me out. Yeah, they're putting things in your head. Everyone's snoring. I remember it's a, you're in a bunk room with a bunch of kids, and everyone was snoring. And everyone's snoring in unison, I had convinced myself, was people crying and screaming out in the lake. Oh. And I was like, felt like the room was closing in on me. It was a very traumatic. So it was a, it was a sleepaway camp. It was, yeah, for a, for a long time. And you'd have archery 
Yeah. And then you'd go to the chapel and have these competitive who can look up First Corinthians and everyone whips through and you hold uh, up the book when you have it. No. And, you, and I didn't know that. I'd never opened a Bible. I didn't grow up with a Bible in my house. That's, yeah. It, it, uh, church stuff is so culty when you're from the outside. You know what's so funny is our next door neighbor and Andy Whittington came with me to church one time and I was probably like 12 and he was raised with no religion whatsoever and he we I was laughing so hard because it was like I finally saw like a Catholic mass is the most ritualistic bizarre you're kneeling you're standing you're kneeling you're it's like call and response yeah and I'd never seen it from like an outsider's perspective before of how bizarre it is but when you're raised in it it's just church on Sunday it's you're it's you're so used to it yeah I I went to it was that way I went to Catholic church once because uh, when my my sister's been married to her husband Mike for a long time but when she met him he was Catholic and so I remember once we went before he had a dream and woke up and said oh this is all kind of bullshit mm. I think that's how he, I don't know uh, but we went and it was a lot of I people reciting things yeah. standing up and down and every, everyone looking over and noticing that you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and feeling very excluded not welcomed right uh and then uh, someone put dirt on my forehead, as I as I recall. Oh, you went there for Ash Wednesday. That Maybe was right before Easter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, ask me anything. I can tell you all about that the, shit. Okay. The little wafers. Um, the Eucharist. Yes. That, that is supposed to be Jesus' flesh, right? Yes. It's the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the wine, even though you can see his wine with a label on it. Um, is blood. It's blood, and that is, uh, and that is just uh, something that everyone there takes pretty seriously. Or is it just like that's, oh, that's we... the point of the whole mass oh. is going to get that, and to basically you're taking in the Savior and you're remembering Him and His sacrifice for you by eating His body and drinking His blood. And I mean, it couldn't. I mean, clearly, it's old. Yeah. It's from it's it's from times where stuff like that yes. would have been a you know pretty normal. Um, do you th do you think there's ever been someone in history that like drank themselves to death with red wine, thinking that it was bringing them closer to God? I mean, that was my rationale when I still drank. <laughs> I was just like, let's do this thing, Jesus. <laughs> let's improve this situation. Uh, I don't know. It's all so crazy. Also, you know that like the one. You described, too, when I was in college, um, I was in the drama department, and there was a guy that was, like, new to the drama department that, like, made a big splash. He was super cute. He was a great actor. And uh, he started hanging out with me and my two roommates. And we were, like, this group of, like, five people that would go to Denny's after play rehearsal and stuff. Sure. And we were having... We were all having the best time. It was, like... It was kind of, like, early comic hangouts, like, riffing, whatever. And eventually, so I liked him, but I never thought he would like me back. So I just kind of like didn't even care and whatever. I, I thought I had no chance with him because he was, he looked, he was really good looking. And I thought he would like one roommate. I knew my other roommate had a huge crush on him. And so it ended up that he liked me. He came in and was like, I like, made a big pronouncement. Whatever. Oh, wow. So it was this big coup, right? Like I got the guy. 
And then like a week later, he starts talking about, the thing is, I just really need you to say these seven words because I don't want you to burn in hell. Oh, no. And he had basically was a secret born-again Christian who went to this crazy culty church in Sacramento and was just, what didn't actually like me was trying to get me to go to his church. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of the most fucked up thing that's ever happened to me because his whole spiel was, if you don't say these seven words, you automatically go to, go to hell no matter what. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And literally in my mind, this was right when I, I think I'd just done comedy once, or maybe I'd just met Andy Kindler for the first time before I started stand-up. Uh-huh. But in my head, I thought, you can't tell me Andy Kindler's going to hell. Right. I, I, that, <laughs> this disproves anything you're saying to He'd me. He'd be so happy to hear that, I think. I, th- I may have told him. But essentially, though, I lost all of my faith in that whole exchange because I realized religion is just a thing a, a lot of people use. It's like a weird power tool people use to manipulate people to get them to do what they want and to scare them into thinking. I mean, these people were like, ta- I heard a couple people preach about like they died and, you know, OD'd on drugs and while they were out, while they were dead on the table, they went into this land where they were in limbo and it was like all this kind of stuff where by the time you leave, you're scared shitless that you're going to die and then end up in this place. That was one of the ceremonies at this camp. They were like, you have to, we'll sit around this campfire. You take a log, put it on the fire, uh, announce that the Lord's your savior or that you accept him into your heart or whatever. If you've done this before, don't do it a second time. That would be a big mistake. And then I'm here. I'm like, have I done this before? What if I did it in a dream and I don't remember? Um, boy, people are driving amazingly yeah, tonight. It's like, a full moon. Oh, that's everyone's driving like Teen Wolf. <laughs> They're like, what is that guy doing surfing on an ice cream truck? And everyone, this is crazy. everyone, before they put a log on the fire, they said, the, I, I, uh, uh, accepted the yeah. Lord in the back of a cop car once after I robbed some people. Everyone was admitting all these things that created voids in them that yeah. they needed to fill. And I was like, I don't really have one. I don't have a story. How old were you? Do I have to make one up? I was like 12, yeah. 11 or 12. Insanity. Yeah, I mean, and, what... And then one kid, he said, uh, my name is uh, Ian. I'm from... North Dakota, and I was uh, hilarious, so I said, oh, are you a North Dakotian? <laughs> and, uh... You were hilarious. And he, Sorry, I just pushed that. He, uh, just walked away from the fire and punched me in the stomach, and oh. I was in a relaxed position. That's how Houdini died. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, guy obviously knew nothing about Houdini. Wait, this wasn't the kid who you pulled on his braids, was it? No, no, that okay. was Joel. He broke my arm. Oh, okay. I was at Kiwanis camp. Okay. All, every every th- bad thing that ever happened to me happened at a camp. Yeah. One time I ate some 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 uh, peas. There was a pod, <laughs> pea pods on this hedge. It was no. pea pods. Off a hedge? And I'm like, oh, cool, peas. I put them in my mouth. I'm like, delicious. They taste, I can't believe in Missoula, Montana, you can just find peas. Poison control was called. Someone tried to dig it out of my throat. This, this, this woman who read was reading a Playgirl magazine was pulling it out of my trying to pull out these peas from my throat and they were basically saying oh you're gonna die you're you've been poisoned that's how they reacted i've so many bad experiences at camp how old were you on that one when you ate peas i was a bit younger i was a bit younger that was pre big sky bible camp okay good 
Uh, well, you know, it's also the first experience of like being away from home. And I remember going the first year I went to camp on day two, my mom, I got a card from home from my mom. And I think I was the first year we went, I was probably nine Mm -hmm. and I took the card and went and sat down and opened it. And it was like, my mom writing like hi sissy we miss you and da 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 and I just started bawling it was like I was only there for seven days and I was on day two it wasn't like and it was you know perfectly fine camp nothing bad was happening but it's that thing when you're little and you're not used to being away yeah it feels good for some people I think in there's situations after that both and those were church related too even in high school it was like, hey, on Wednesdays, do you want to know where all the popular girls at school are and you can eat for free on Wednesdays? I'm, it's at church. And so I went because of that. And I was openly with the that pastor guy uh, who's out of the game now. I saw him in Oregon. He's like a fam, marriage counselor. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He, but I knew he didn't care. I knew he didn't care. I'm like, I, I'm not really into the Bible. He's like, I don't care. Uh, people like you and uh, and you can go to these work camps and we would travel we went to Mexico and uh, built a wall we did things soup kitchens talked to prisoners Mm -hmm. at these halfway camps and it was really it was cool because you like felt like you're making a difference that's where I like church stuff I I think it's cool to have that experience yeah the service part yeah yeah but you know what that's really beyond that it's a little creepy when he's like I don't care that you don't believe because you're popular like it is such a it's it's a I I just find that there's certain aspects of organized religion that are so creepy and calculating and political right because he's like you have influence yes and you'll draw the other children in but he wasn't that it he also gave me, like, handyman work. Like, he's like, oh, I'm working on my house. Want to help demolish this wall in my house? And I'm like, well, that'll be great. And I remember he hit his thumb with a hammer and said, fuck, really loud. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're just a dude. Yeah. You're just a guy. Yeah. And so then I felt comfortable around the, the pastor man. And uh, Yeah, it was good experiences. And then you it, did not get molested by that pastor? No, no, good, no, good, good, no. Good, this good. was Presbyterian. Okay. Oh, yeah, they don't do that. See, church from a river runs through it. And so you just can't pull that shit. <coughs> yeah. Was it fish church? We it was, just, like, yeah. like fly fishing all the it's time? It's just where there was a crucifix, where Jesus was on the crucifix above uh, where his podium was. They actually had a Billy Bass. No, oh, good. With yeah, the, yeah. some songs? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one year at Christmas where one of my dad's friends bought him this. It was like the muskrat or squirrel equivalent of Billy Bass where it's like a singing squirrel I think it, singing it must taxidermy have, but it, it's supposed to look like taxidermy yes it's I supposed to look that. real and dead but it's, it's my singing. favorite form of comedy we put, when we turned it on we would all laugh like lunatic dipshit people it was one of the <laughs> it was one of the funniest things just like do it again I think it was a muskrat that was singing muskrat love it must have been that oh it has to be it simply must be. Uh, so what else have you been doing, Chris? I have been hosting that show with April Richardson, and it's getting better, and it's fun. And Great. It's, uh, it's enjoyable, and they they got some new writers, and I'm excited about that. And That's they're letting, awesome. And they're letting me have more input on our host 
copy. Great. And so that's all fun. That's been enjoyable. I I've love it. I've been doing stand-up. I've been enjoying stand-up more than ever. I've been doing lots of shows and feeling good about the shows. Amazing. Wait, uh, where was your last show? Um, my last show, uh, I guess, was at the Ice House. You love the Ice Pasadena. House. In Pasadena. You know, it's like, it's the only place... In L.A., or it's not in L.A., Pasadena is actually... Every time I drive there, I'm reminded, wow, this is another city. It takes me an hour to get there. But yes. uh, it's it's like being on the road. It's just normal people wanting entertainment. And you have to remember that you're not just at some bar show in L.A. You're entertaining regular people, which me as a, you know, you know me, I'm just alternative as the Dickens. <laughs> it's, uh, it's You are wearing a tiny hat right now. I am, uh, yeah, and if I could grow one, I'd have a beard, but I can't. comes in all patchy because I am Apache. Uh-huh. I don't know what kind, I am part, I, I, I think that it's uh, native blood that makes it to where the size of my, uh, my face hair doesn't grow in. That's you, what I've decided. You making that joke makes me... Um, kind okay. of empathize with Ian from North Dakota. You're going to punch me in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Well, that's... Uh, I mean, I understand a lot of people are rubbed the wrong way by puns. Yeah, I really don't like it. Now, what do you think the difference is in your... in the performing? Is it... is it... is it just a cycle? Do you think it's just like you're out of the bad patch? Yeah, right. And it's only temporary because I've been out of the bad patch before and then I have a shitty show and I'm like, oh yeah, this never get... You never figure this out. <laughs> right. It's, well, yeah, the, it, the variables change every show. Mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, but lately I've felt like I kind of learned how to deal with when I can see it going south. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Uh, I think it's about being more open on stage. Mm-hmm. Being open... And being, uh, I've been working on my confidence, Karen. Now, how? Just be just. What by, do you do? I need. I need to know. I pretend that I'm confident. <laughs> That's what they say. That's how you have to do yeah, it. And it's infectious. Your brain will be like, maybe we are for a minute, but then uh, that I just get that bad show. I, for instance, we all a few comics went drove up to San Francisco for a taping something called CISO, which is like a uh, Hulu for um, NBC. comedy. Yeah. yeah, and it's NBC. Yeah, and so they have a lot of NBC shows on there, and then I guess they're going to have a lot of original. Um, other than Brian Regan's special, I guess the first streaming live comedy special was what I did, and man, it seemed like, oh man, no one's going to edit this. Like, I... I felt like it could have gone a lot better. And so after that, my fake confidence, I was like, where's that feeling? <laughs> it went away. It's tough. I wish it didn't go badly. It just didn't go great. I wanted it to go great. Just, you know, they had a camera on a crane thing. Yo, yeah. There was a guy with a, some dolly tracks. You had a jib and you had a, uh, well, uh, that's a dolly. Yeah. Yeah. You know the Oh, yeah, I know a lot of the... You I know. wanted to pretend like I was the one that knew the terminology, you, but you know it. You know I'm union. <laughs> you know I'm a union gaffer's best boy. <laughs> uh, I just... I think that's an interesting thing to talk about, though, because the confidence... I was thinking of it like I've done a couple shows at the um, Improv Lab. Yeah. I don't know if you've done that room yet. I'm doing it tonight. Very, Are you really? Very loungy feeling, I yeah. I fucking love it. Have you done it before? Yes, yes. It. I was so surprised. I was um, 
asked to do it. I think it's Megan Keister's show. And the, the day, of course, an hour before I wanted to flake out and not show up because that's what I always do. And what right. my brain tells me, you're unsafe, stay home. Yes. Don't go out. Don't risk anything. Which is bad for comedy. Which is <laughs> definitely for all creed. It's it's awful. So I knew that if I didn't go and do that one set, even though I had no material, I would stop doing stand-up comedy. It was that it felt that dire. Right. And so I went that night with truly with these one-liners that I've been doing and just kind of like pieces of ideas. And, and it no, was no songs. No songs. Mm-hmm. No, I'm try. I'm only talking comedy for 2016. I mean, like, I'll, I'll do songs with Drennan, but for my own individual stand-up, I'm going back to regular talking I'm comedy. excited to hear that, and I love your songs. But I'm, Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you do joke after joke. That'll be great. You know what it is? I realized, while I was standing up there, first of all, I realized it doesn't... I'm not... There's a long time where you absolutely have to have jokes. You have to... You have to know what you're going to end on. You have to have all of your kind of like your map out in front of you so that you can navigate your set with confidence. Yes. But I... I'm just now learning that. But yes, (laughs) yes, everyone knows. Well, but then there's a point in time where you don't need that anymore because it does... Because you start to realize it doesn't matter what you're saying. It matters how you feel when you're standing there. So when I was standing there, I was like... At, at this improv lab show, I just kind of didn't care. I knew I had these one-liners that would get hard laughs. Right. But other than that, I was excited to be experimenting again. Like, yes. that I feel like the last time I did it was, like, old Largo. Right. Wow. Where I used to get to do it all the time. Sure. And it was just the coolest feeling, and it didn't... It wasn't, it, uh, it wasn't amazing. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't, like, destroy the room or win or all the things I usually want to do when I do stand-up. I just did fine and had a great time. Right. And then that was what... I just realized that's what I want. I think that that's what I mean when I say I'm manufacturing confidence. I just mean that state where you are forcing yourself to be in a state of mind where it's like, this is fun. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing and here's a couple things that I'm excited to do in the set that I can look forward to. Usually that just means a new joke or two. Right. And then... uh, and then you have a great time. It's the best. It's the best feeling. It's but such a good feeling. But sometimes it just, uh, for whatever reason, because you should have stayed home. <laughs> but that's never it true. It's, yeah. it's. I feel like it's never true. And like the weird thing to me is that I used to be really brave. I think it was correspondent to when I used to drink. I used to. I would be like, F- I don't care. I'll get up there and do it. I'll. I would do anything. Right. And try new things all the time and stuff. And I think it's that, getting back to that, like, it's, it doesn't make sense to me in my own mind how, what a lack of confidence I can have in certain situations when I've done some of the scariest things you could possibly do. I I actually have proof that I've done those things. And it just seems like sometimes that doesn't. On stage or like you used to be a coal miner? Uh, No, no, on stage. Just stand up, stand up. Yes. Improvising things, yeah, yeah. TV, yes. stuff that is very intimidating. I've right. done it, so it. Then the idea that I'm letting like a, you know, a downstairs Thursday night show intimidate me to the yeah. point where I won't leave my house, is. I mean, I guess I what think, I'm saying is that's the level of insanity I'm dealing with. Well, it's also when you do those fun things and those tapings and at a certain level, and then and then you're doing a show for four other comics that is a booked thing that you didn't get all the information on and then you show up and no one's there 
which might very well happen for me tonight, I, I have to learn how to have fun at those, too. Yes. And be like, okay, what can I learn from just hearing my voice say these things? <laughs> and what can you add? Like, that writing on stage thing I hadn't done in so long, and in both of the improv lab shows I've done lately, I've done... I've figured things out. Like, things weren't going... Not not just not doing well, just no response. It was right. just like, oh, I thought this was funny. It's quiet. Yeah. And then instead of my usual thing, which is get super embarrassed and then super angry and then lash out and then kind of shut it all down. Okay, I still do that. It's not okay. <laughs> I think we all do. I mean, Blame I think audience. that's kind of the natural reaction. But instead, just hang out. Like, I just have had the opportunity to hang out mm. a little while longer and then actually hear hear the connection and bring it back around. Yeah. Just not not panicking before that part happens. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. Just if realizing it's happening before it before it does and dealing with it better. That's what this all is. Because also it's the people are watching you because they want to see you be confident. They don't want to watch you have a nervous breakdown or blame them or right. get angry. They, they truly just want to see... A person brave enough to have fun and be funny on stage. It's weird. And when I first started, I think my whole style worked against that. This whole stammering, I'm not confident. Oops, I messed up. Let me comment on that joke not working. Like, I built this character that I did for years based on someone that maybe wasn't confident or maybe you don't know I'm messing up or not messing up. Why would messing up the way I talk be a thing that I would do? Well, I think it's I, natural to you, though, isn't yeah, it? It's it was, not like a put-on character. It was a product of me always saying Chambles Conky or character <laughs> or whatever. Yes. I really do do that, so I'm like, well, that got a laugh when I dealt with it, so let me do it again. So now I'm lying and pretending to make mistakes, but then if you keep it loose like that, then you can be improvising and, and say... I, th I thought it was freeing, but then I'd always have these bad shows where the audience is like... That guy's not even comfortable talking on stage. Yeah. He's not confident or... it, And so I still am trying... I'm like, that has to be something I need to remind myself to do. Be confident. And also a, remind yourself that the voice you give the audience of how they're judging you is not accurate. That's just your mind. Right. It's, it's just thinking... It's just that thing of like, oh, you've decided this is what the audience is thinking about you. Like... Are you serious? Good lord! Oh, I hate, I hate you. Yeah, what? It's see. too late. It's Go gonna... ninety-five miles an hour, oh, you dick. Of course, it's a Range Rover. Range Rover. Of course, it's in a Beverly Range Rover. Hills, of classic. Yeah. Sorry. You never uh, know when you're gonna run into a bunch of piles of dirt. <laughs> You'll need that that hint, that wench on front. Careful, there's a gazelle ro Range Rover. Yes, yes. Thank God you're wearing. A, you're driving a car specific to African hunting. Yeah. Ugh. Important here near the Beverly Center in Los I Angeles. I hope they have one of those hard tan hats with a fan on it. A pith helmet? Yes, a pith helmet. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, I think you're going to... I mean, you've done it already, but I feel like there's always people in that improv lab room. And there's always a really good combination of people who are super supportive and people who are like, I'm going to do the next show and I want to see who this... Like, kind of... The competitive yeah. energy of comics in the back. It feels good. And you can win them over. Do you feel like it's a small version of what the old Largo room felt like? Just yes. Just maybe because there's curtains and Sorry. lounge situations. It's yes. like tables and... God, there is a... Tonight is extra distracting. Yeah, it's... 
It's, full, it's full moon. I fully believe it. it I, I, I agree. Even the cops, her? even the cops have turned to werewolves. <laughs> Oh, uh-oh. Where is it coming from? Oh, there it is. Oh, wow. Oh, and he's going. He's really going for it. Uh-oh. Good oh, Lord. Oh, my God. That's uh, seemingly yes. coming right at us. That, oh, if you could just, you get the sounds, but I wish you could get the sights. Guys, that was an L.A. cop changing sides of the road so that he wouldn't have to stop in traffic. Yeah, yeah. Just, you gotta love that. Last night, there was about, uh, I was going to get a burger. And uh, it was late, and uh, about 12 cop cars all racing each other going 100 miles an hour down my street Whoa. with their lights on, but the sirens off, which means they don't want the people where they're going to know they're going to be. And so I'm like, well, it's a hostage situation then. Yeah. That's what that means, right? Yeah, that's bad news. We or, don't want to let yeah. them know we're coming. Or like a break-in, like a burglary. <laughs> so I should have I should have looked it up this morning. I love finding out. Do you ever find out or even in an article even while i'm watching uh making of the murderer and all those shows when you find someone that's committed a crime or just find it on the news online i, I find them on facebook for there'll be a window of time no. where they still have a facebook account <laughs> and i'll just look at pictures of them this murderer <laughs> and uh look at him with his dog and and he'll have a cousin usually they don't have kids and there's a couple pictures where they're grumpy and then uh, you can still have this option. It's harder to find, but I like to poke them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did once. You poked a murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to say I did that. That's my favorite thing I've ever but heard. It's, weird. it's one of those things where you, it's like, wow, they have a profile. They picked out a photo and they work at this place and they bought that shirt. But that guy killed his neighbor. I mean, like, yeah, clearly the plan was that they were going to be normal like everybody else yeah. and be on Facebook. It's so, yeah. And then they snapped. And that's all anyone knows about them. But I like to go to their fo- Facebook, see what shows they liked. Do you, do you ever throw up a thoughts and prayers onto their wall? You know, I never want them to focus on me if they don't end up in the big house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. That's a good So plan. I don't want to fully interact. And I only did that poking thing once. But, uh. <laughs> It's just, I used to think about it a lot when I was a kid, too. Like, when I'd go to the store and try on shoes, you know, you put on shoes and you walk around and the guy pinches your toe. And you're like, well, I think it fits. I always, for some reason, thought of murderers. There's people out there that kill people or have bodies in their yard or something. And they still go shoe shopping and try on shoes and walk around. And they're like, I like these shoes. They look good and they make me feel confident. (laughs) I think later I'm going to kill my neighbor (laughs) while wearing these shoes. Mm -hmm. I should probably change into my old shoes just because these ones are new. They don't say that out loud, of course. The person at Designer Shoe Warehouse has to call the police. I overheard a man planning something in the sandal area. I was in the middle of telling him he had a narrow foot and then he said... Uh, Butch, my neighbor, is going to get it. And I don't think he met a pair of, the pair of shoes that no, he's buying. No, because of the, he was making a hacky, knifey um, gesture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And then he came at me with a... It usually goes with that ee <laughs> Yes. With the ee sound. But, um, yeah, it's murderers, man. They're everywhere. But, th- well, true crime is very hot right now. Yeah. Very hot. And it's changing my daily thoughts I don't want to think about it I know well you don't have to you can uh, there's plenty of stuff I can worry about there's so many other things to worry about if you maybe join Greenpeace or uh, I like it to be about me 
I like to worry um, about, oh, there's a pain in my leg. Okay. I wonder what, let me get online and look it up. Well, I have these things. Do you have rickets, guaranteed. That kind right. of thing? Maybe I, uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I would, I, I should get involved with Greenpeace. I, uh, actually... I, I'm interested in keeping plastic out of the ocean. What do okay. you think of that? I support it, and, uh, you would have loved my grandmother because she used to, my grandma Ann used to take the, you know, the plastic things that hold uh, soda cans together? Yes. She always cut those up. Oh, so do I still. Yeah. And she'd say... My mom taught me to do that because birds choke, right? That she would say, the first time I saw her do it, I said, Grandma, what are you doing? And she said, it's for the boards. Oh, that's so You guys are insane Irish accent. Boards is a really good word to get Irish people to say for you. uh, How the phrase, it's for the birds, first came about. With from my grandma cutting yes, up, yes. cutting up plastic. Yeah. Uh, what about the island of plastic that's floating out into the Pacific? That's like so humongous. There's five of them. They're called gyres. What? Yeah, they're these slow whirlpools where all the all the garbage collects. Sometimes it's multiple tons, and ninety eight percent of that garbage is plastic. plastic. That's the statistic that I learned when I did a private event for the five gyres group and they do go out on these Greenpeace like boats and and pick up this garbage and they come back with tons of it and the guy when I was done it was a very difficult show I had to like pretend to host this game show who wants to be a gyroneer a gyroneer <laughs> and uh, it was it was it was uh, not the funnest gig but my friend is part of this group and uh, they gave me a bag of plastic that was found inside birds and fish there was a, just a full afro pick. I don't know how big some of these fish are. It must have been are. a pelican. Yes, yeah, you know, those pelicans. Please, tell me it was. <laughs> no, there was an afro pick. There was there was so many things. There was something, a piece of plastic that looked like a yarmulke. And that was the only joke I made. It's like, well, at least we can all get together and know that uh, no matter what race you are, we still are all affecting the ocean negatively. If, that, <laughs> if we can't get together on that, because there was an afro pick. And they didn't, you know, you, the way your response to that joke did better than that night. There was something else that was. But sorry, they gave you a bag of garbage and said, like, riff on this and, like, use this in your act? No, honestly, it was at the end the guy gave it to me and said, if you can ever do something with this or show it to people since you're a person that's a public speaker, please, here is a bag of. And I still have it. I can't, of course, bring myself to throw it away. I have a giant... Where would you throw it? Exactly. I have this giant (laughs) bag of plastic. So Uh, it's my little problem. It's in a little red bag with an American flag on it. And it is... But it is scary. It's a lot of straws. And it's a lot of just... Apparently plastic, once it's in the ocean, it it breaks down into tiny chips of plastic. Like a plastic bottle will eventually just become these tiny... Which makes them dangerous because then they're bite-sized. Yeah. And fish are just eating little teeny pieces of plastic. Like plankton. And then they're ingesting plastic and carcinogens. And then we're eating sushi that the fish, that's a plastic fish, basically. It's, we're killing ourselves. It is. And I don't want to sound like a big old hippie, but I have uh, glass straws. There's these people called Simply Straws. And uh, it's just a glass straw, and I, I bring it with me. I'm always afraid it's going to shatter and poke a hole in my leg or something. <laughs> but I have these glass, just so when I... 
go to Starbucks and get something in a giant plastic cup, at least I'm not using the straw because I, yeah. you know, there's a video of them pulling a straw out of a turtle's nostril and it is not, <laughs> not a fun 25 minutes. You mean minutes. like the old, the old magic trick, it the old grandpa so trick? <laughs> sad, but also cute because it's a giant turtle and they have him in a boat and he's wincing. He's like going, Ugh. He's making little noises. Who knew that turtles make little noises? And his eyes are so tight, and he's, he's got a little nosebleed, and they're trying to pull out the straw out his nostril. And they finally get it out, and he has this look of relief, and he, like, looks at the people. It is a... If you can find turtle with straw in his nostril, <laughs> it's very sad and hard to watch. It's such a bummer. Every time someone gives me a straw, I want, I'm like, I don't want this. Stop giving me straws. I love straws. I buy them. I have them in my house. I had no idea they were that bad. I <laughs> they, truly like love to throw some. Yeah. I love to throw a straw in and there's, just make a beverage. There's fun. not a lot I do. I we're in a drought. I still flush every time I pee, but I I do I do try to not use straws. At least it's something. I mean, I'm not preaching here. No, look. I, I got, mean, you can get paper ones too. I, yeah, paper even the paper straws. ones. Yeah, Just do it. We, we can all do what we can. And they suck. The paper ones suck. You're halfway through your beverage. It sags in the middle and then rips. Right? It, it acts he, like a straw made of paper. <laughs> but it's retro. That's how it used to be when they first started doing that's straws. That's right. Yeah. I mean, how, that's how it was for the pilgrims. So too bad. Yeah. So there's uh, so many things. We, but then statistically, you look at how little impact you can make as a human, and then you get discouraged, and then you forget. And, but I do know, boy, this is I'm I'm such a, a environmentalist all of a sudden. I know. I don't know. No, I'm not. But when I moved here in '03, there were Hummers and, and SUVs everywhere. Excursions. Yes. They're just everyone. You that was drive the, me insane. That was the thing in like early 2000s. That everyone had a big ass car. Yes. And it, I've always lived in Venice. I never, you know, as I drive into Hollywood, ever was able to see the Hollywood sign. And that's what they tell you. You never can see it. I can see it all the time now. Yes. That's the one thing where I know maybe a bigger problem is all the cows farting out. I, I heard that the methane they give out with their farts is worse than all the cars in L.A. combined. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. So, and it's it's weird when you drive by, I think they call it Cowschwitz because it's so... Yeah horrifying how many cows are just in this just for acres and acres and acres but you can smell their farts and it doesn't smell like cow shit it smells like exhaust from a car yes it smells like a car exhaust it the, smells like if a cow was a car and that what that exhaust would smell like uh, because there is still a little bit of the by the uh you know organic element to it that is like shit it's like yeah. shit and hay and then gasoline essentially that's a rough... I just... I drove the five coming home from my uh, parents this past... Oh, yeah. Pedal Whatever. I, do, I mean, I'm on that freeway quite a bit. And, Did you um, have a good time with your family? Was it like... I had a really good time. So, for people who might not know, my mom finally passed away after suffering uh, and, for 12 years and with maybe, early yeah. onset Alzheimer's. And I... The word finally with me, I... I it's, it's so hard for people to relate to hearing that. Yeah. But... You know I feel the same, but and I've been, you know, our moms are just trapped in this shell yeah. of who they used to be, and 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 uh, you want it to end. You can tell they're not happy. You want it to you end, want but it then to end. once it finally does, there's no way of me knowing how I'm really gonna feel. 
it's pretty, it's just weird. It's just kind of a shocking experience. And it's because the whole thing is so, uh, traumatizing in and of itself that the, that, that getting a phone call to say she finally passed away, it was like, it's too good to be true. And that in and of itself has all this, it's just a lot of conflict and a lot of guilt, but, but the good part about it. So driving up there, I was like dreading it, yeah. thinking it was going to be really sad. I don't want to see my father be emotional because he's the most repressed Irish Catholic person in the world and he does not cry yeah. and is never weak and is never anything but either fun or yelling. Right. And so, <laughs> so all of that I was dreading and instead it turned out to be beautiful and all of my family and extended family were kind of together. It was my niece's birthday. So we got to have a fun party and, uh, every it's the unspoken and spoken, like my sister and I talked to each other about it, but the unspoken thing is this is better. This is what, this is what we wanted. And it's good that we wanted it because it's what she wanted. And everyone's really making an effort to talk about the fact that it's better. And so that nobody feels guilty for having that feeling. Yes. And I've, I've been feeling that also for a decade and I, that is how I will feel, I think. And, and I know that it's so much, that's why I'm so sad when a a friend will lose someone or I've lost friends lately where it's tragic and it shouldn't have happened. And it was, or it's a stupid ass cancer or, and there, there was more, had that one thing not happened, there would have been more. That's just different. That to me is more tragic. People, Alzheimer's, it's stretched out for a long time. So the grieving, it's like, how long is this going to slowly end? So that's, I think, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But I still think it's worse when, not that it's a contest, what's the worst way to be gone? (laughs) But, uh, you know, someone, my friend's dad fell off a roof and died. And he was was a roofer guy. That was the worst. Yeah. It was the saddest. It was so tragic. It was sudden. It was so traumatic for him. It changed his personality. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's, I think, you know. Well, I mean, anyone that would come in with any kind of judgment about how you feel about the death of your own People parent. do. It's, yeah, but who cares? Like, to me, that person, you've just disqualified yourself. And also, to me, I bet you, most of the time, those kind of people have never had it happened to them. Yeah. You, it's so easy to talk about the way it should be or what, how you're supposed to do it correctly. Yeah. But you don't know until you go through it. And I, it's a very, it's a very distinct experience. Yeah. And it's not you and I both are like, I, something triggers in me when, when someone says, I know what it's like, my grandma. And I'm like, grandma, yeah. that's not the same. No. Not, some people are so close with their grandmas that I can't relate. Uh, but I think a lot of people come at you with like, you're wrong to feel this. Because they're thinking about when they did lose someone in a more tragic way and how terrible it was. So they're like, how could you dare right, like, say finally uh, yeah. when talking about the loss of your mom? I lost my mom to, the, you know, grenade shrapnel or whatever, whatever yeah. tr- sudden tragic thing. Yeah, but I and mean, so that's stupid. That's that's your problem. I mean, here's because <laughs> here's my thing is that it was bad enough already. The last thing I need is to feel guilt about yes. natural feelings. For God's I've sake, I've already gone There's through already all of so it. So much guilt. Yeah, fuck yeah. it. And also, any but I mean, it just anyone that's ever coming at you about what you should be doing is talking about themselves. 
So that's, that's all I ever hear it as anyway, where it's just like, oh, you know, finally or whatever, where it's like my mother looked like a mummy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. My, my mom looks like an Iowa uh, scarecrow. Yeah. And it's not them. Yeah. And it's like watching someone linger. She, my mother would have 100% had Dr. Kevorkian kill her yeah, when she knew she got this. Um, my mom used to say it. My mom used to say it too. If I get Alzheimer's, she was predicting getting it. Yep, so she did mine. She always said, like, if I ever get it, don't ever put me, I just want to uh, take a pill and be gone. But yep. unfortunately, she wasn't, you know, she isn't mentally able to make that decision because now we also think that as bad as awful and weird it was when she would say that kind of thing when I was young I'm like uh, well, maybe we should have got it in writing <laughs> well but it doesn't work that way I mean like no. it's it's a it's a nice idea but the at the end of the day the shitty thing about Alzheimer's is you have to go through it and they have to go through it yeah. and and it would be amazing if there could be a shortcut or just all right then then we're done but that's the kind of hideous part about it yeah is that you just have to go through it for years and years and years. Well, and then people, the people that would tell you how you should feel will not want to hear me say I'm uh, sort of jealous. I'm sure. your mom passed away. Yeah. Isn't it's, that a weird thing to no, say to someone? No, it's not at all. It was the first thing I thought when you told me. It's a it's relief. like, wait, what? Of course. I don't, mine's still alive. That would have been my, great. that would have been my reaction if you had told me. Okay. I would have been like, when the fuck is, do I get to have this? And then we... That was the day before we podcasted with Tig, and I know that you you were emotional, but didn't know where to put the emotions. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just again, Tig, I I hope that we can resurrect that uh, recording we did. But she was so the things she was saying about her wedding and what it meant to her, and the people in her town being so supportive when she thought they were going to be picketing. It, it was so special and uh and you got emotional and it was very it was such a good podcast and such a good moment and uh, well hopefully we can find it but uh if not that, that it was meant to be i suppose i suppose i mean what can we do what and do you... there, more great ones to come yes yes that's what we'll do and you know ultimately if we said tig it you know it didn't record she'll do it again with yeah us. i didn't know that the, i during it she said i why haven't you guys asked me yet? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I didn't think that maybe that would be her stance. I, w- I was just happy that she wanted us to pick her up. I know. But I was, uh, and I was glad that I got to, I don't know if we record again, I'll be able to say it to her, so I'll just repeat it. I so, it, I had such a hang-up about not having gone to her wedding I she invited me and I didn't go because I had shows somewhere and while I was doing the shows I was like oh my god I just made a really big mistake it, I should have been there it was important and I didn't go because of money and because of shows that I had and I was I was glad I was able to uh, apologize to her personally so um, she already heard it so now I'm I guess uh Restating it. You know, also a thing like that, too. I think those are those kinds of decisions you can't know. Like, now you know that. Now you know when you're worried about money, you're, you know, life is the way it is where you have to cover, you have to cover yourself and you have to earn. 
And when you come up with this decisions like that, you you're turn right here. I think. I think when you're coming up with decisions like that, mm-hmm. basically, you're just trying to do the thing that you have to do. Right. And so that lesson, even though I know it was really hard for you to go through, to, and a huge regret, also it's like, well, now you know. Like yeah. you, don't, I wouldn't beat yourself up any more than you already have for that because now you know. I, I mean, think like, it was yeah. I think it was a combination of having that regret and then shortly after being a my friend's memorial when I knew other people weren't going to my friend's ex memorial because they have they're like oh I don't like death I don't like funerals yeah no one does you just go and then when I was there I'm like oh my god it's so important that we're all here and like you said uh, it was a great time it was everyone together having a great time and laughing and having a party yeah and that's it's so important to go those things and I yes I learned a lesson I will uh, I will be at your wedding and your funeral, Karen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, also, here's a, another lesson I learned that I don't think you can know until you have a loss like this. Is if you, if someone died, that's a like a friend of yours, family member died, and you don't know what to say, it doesn't matter. You can call them and say, I don't know what to say. I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Any way you extend yourself to people when they're in that situation mm-hmm. is the perfect thing to say. Like, don't don't get caught up in being like a weird perfectionist. It's not about your message. It's about letting the person know that you're thinking about them. Cause I got so many lovely messages. Like I was kind of hesitated putting it on Twitter. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to seem like I was somehow trying to get sympathy. I just wanted, I wanted to raise money for Alzheimer's by posting it. Right. And can we do show Alzheimer's shows, Karen? How do we do it? I don't know. We yeah, we can. We get with, with like Chris Seth Garcia Rogen or whatever. I mean, I don't know about him, I know. but I think we can do it. Well, he does all these comedy for Alzheimer's. I know it's already a thing. So. But yeah, with Chris, how about with? But Chris? I mean, he's not. Does he even do stand up? I don't know what he does. I think a little bit. I'm sure he has some jokes. I'm sure we could figure something out to do a benefit. I want to. Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. It's important. It's very important. And yes, say even if it's going to come out awkward and make people feel weird, say something. I, it, I even remember, just tell people you love them. Yeah. And friends of mine that lost their parents in high school when you're a kid and you really don't know what to say. And later in life, I've said like, hey, I'm sorry I never said anything to you. And then they're like... Thank you. I noticed that you didn't say anything to me. Right. Yeah, I even remember avoiding friends because I didn't know what to say. So instead, in high school, they get shunned and avoided because they've lost their mom. It's, yeah. That's awful. It is. So say it and say it awkward and because uh, it's not about you. It's not about you and, and, uh, and you don't know how strangely helpful it could be. When you, and even if you don't, I had a couple of friends who weren't talking to me about death. They were just texting me a lot more than they normally would. Yeah. And I could just tell it was just purely of like, here's something so you don't have to think about yeah. or be in a bad place. And yeah. I just, it's, it's lovely. And it's, it made me realize how few times I, I hope to be like that more in the future is basically my point. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I'm going to be also, let's make a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, that's just, like, experience. That's life experience. That's just growing up, yeah. essentially. Which we haven't had to do that much of because no. of our uh, our specific life choices. Yes, the, the, the comedy and the drinking. And the, oh, the driving. <laughs> the driving. And the hats. Like a kid, I don't have time to grow up. I got road trips. I got, I got to smoke cigarettes in an alley. Yeah. That's my thing. 
Well, I'm. We're here at April Richardson's. <laughs> You're gonna go eat with her, right? Yeah. If, yeah. I'm gonna go to the improv. I'm glad that we did another episode. I think it was a good one. I'm gonna try and doctor that one out of that missing. Episode. Yeah, we'll see. And um, what if you find other missing episodes? Oh, with other one? people that we don't even know. Ghost cast. Oh my God! It's Richard <laughs> Pryor's on here. <laughs> Um, thank you. We're back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tweeting and saying you missed us. It's very yeah, lovely. It was very sweet. It's Even very though it, nice. It, it, it made me nervous, but I needed to hear it. <laughs> thank you for complaining because it means you like the podcast. Yes. Go to iTunes and do rate it. I guess that's important. And uh, Yeah, rating it and subscribing is yes, important. Yes, yes, yes. If you yes, can. Yes, or, please And subscribe. recommending? Yes. I and don't re- know. Yeah, tell your friends. You know, when you're in those podcast conversations... That people have. Mine and uh, name's Chris. <laughs> uh, oh, and I also started another podcast with Georgia Hardstart. Oh, yeah. That one. We started it called My Favorite Murder. My Favorite Murder. It's on Feral Audio, My Favorite Murder. It's just me and my friend Georgia talking about murders. That sounds great. It's pretty fun. So listen to that. Thank you for listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N. A-R! <laughs> Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Uh, with Karen and Chris.